I just want to read two verses that will kind of introduce um, in the book of Galatians the the Bible describes the age in which we live as this present evil age and yet the Bible talks about other ages it talks about things that happened in ages past and then it speaks about things uh, using the phrase in the age to come and so um, when Joe is going to be sharing with us he's going to be overlapping a couple of those uh, ages if you will but in um, in Ephesians, uh, well, let's just do one verse out of chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come. And uh, Joe is going to be sharing. So Joe, come on up. And he's going to be continuing uh, our study on the temple, the book of Revelation, the last days, uh, he's going to tell us who the Antichrist is. Maybe. You should have a handout in your bulletin. Everybody get one? Anybody not get a handout? That's it, yeah, you got it. All right. Okay, we've been uh, going through uh, some history over time, and that's what this first page in your handout is, it's kind of review to kind of, at least so you've got something to hang everything on, okay? And so we started earlier than that, but nonetheless, we're dealing with the nation of Israel, we're dealing with the temple, and we're dealing with the city of Jerusalem, those three main uh, aspects. And um, I don't know, you can kind of look at this for yourself. I've added a few things on the right-hand side, uh, the Assyrian empire uh, was conquered by Babylon in 626, Uh The Babylonians were conquered by the Persians in 530. The Persians were conquered by the Greeks in 330. And everybody's heard of, I think, Alexander the Great. He was kind of a major king in, in um, Greece. He died in, two, in 323 B.C., and he basically turned his kingdom over to four of his generals. Okay. Four of his generals, which are laid, uh, Cassander, Ptolemy, Antiochus, and Seleucus. And what we're going to concentrate on is that last one, Seleucus. Okay. So they basically ran the Greek Empire until Greek was conquered by Rome in 63 B.C. So these are major kingdoms that kind of parallel what's going on in Israel. And of course, Israel was impacted by it. The Assyrians uh, conquered the northern kingdom. Remember, uh, Israel was one nation split into two. 
uh, after the time of Solomon. Half the kingdom became uh, Samaria, which was the northern kingdom. Half, the rest of the kingdom was Judah, which occupied Jerusalem, or the southern part of the kingdom. And the northern kingdom um, was... Jeroboam, who was the first king of that kingdom, was afraid that he was going to lose his power. God told him he would bless him, but he didn't believe him. And so he set up his own system of worship in the north, set up his own temple, they had altars. And so the bottom line is the northern kingdom went into idolatry, as did the southern kingdom. And so in um, 722, Assyria conquered the northern kingdom and took them into captivity. And then later, in 605 to 587 B.C., the Babylonians conquered the, northern, the southern kingdom, Judah, and took them into captivity. Okay. And so then what happened after that was um, Babylon was overthrown by Persia, and the first king of Persia, named Cyrus, which you've heard the name of before, well, allowed the Jews to go back to the promised land, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and to rebuild their temple. Okay. And so that took place, return of the exiles, roughly 539 B.C. Uh, books of Ezra and Nehemiah deal with those, those returns. Okay. What I want to do is I want to deal with um, a period in Israel's history which is um, around... 140 B.C., 145 B.C., and we're going to be looking at a king who ruled Israel at that time. He was a Greek king. His name is Antiochus Epiphanes, and I wrote his name up there. Uh, There it is. He's in blue. He's a Seleucid king, and the reason we want to look at him is we've talked about, remember we talked about this guy called the Beast? Or he's called he in Daniel. He's called the man of lawlessness. He's called man of doomed to destruction. There's a variety of names for him. But we've, we've looked at him uh, last time. And what I want to do now is I'd like to look at this man named Antiochus Epiphanes. And the reason being is Antiochus Epiphanes did everything that the beast will do. He's what's called a type or a, a pre-type. And so we're going to look at what he did in the nation of Israel to kind of get a better grasp on what is going to happen in the future. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So we're going to jump to the next slide, I hope. There we go. So so there's going to be two rulers we're going to consider. The beast, he, the man of lawlessness, all that stuff that we've heard. Um, we don't know what his kingdom is and we don't know who he is. All we know is he's going to be a ruler. He's going to rule sometime in the future. So he's a prophetic guy. The second one is Antiochus Epiphanes. He's a Greek, a Seleucid. Uh, He's historic. He's been and gone. Okay, And we're going to look at him as a type of the first and what he did. Make sense? Next one. Okay. All right, so let's look here. We've looked at, this is now basically scriptures, and what I've got on what are going to be slides is basically just 
numbers of scriptures. We're going to kind of look at them. You can look them up if you'd like, or we'll just read them off the screen. I just want to look at aspects of them. Um, there's a lot of scripture that deals with this, and it's real hard to figure out what to leave out and what not to leave out, if you know what I mean. So we're going to look at this man called the man of lawlessness, which we've already looked at. We've looked at Daniel chapter 9. Remember, that was the whole passage, 77s are decreed for your people. We looked at that. Um, by the time that, well, in that we ended up in Daniel 9.27, and it talks about a man named, it's just called he. It says, he will make a covenant with the many for one seven. So up there in Daniel 9.27, he will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven, and in the middle of the seven, he's going to put an end to sacrifice and offering, and he's going to put up the uh, abomination that causes desolation. Okay. And this is done in the temple. Okay. And we talked about that last time. We said based on that, based on other things, that says that when he rules, there has to be a temple in Jerusalem. Because it's real hard to set up a, something in the wing of the temple if there isn't one. So we're going to be looking at that uh, a bit later on, okay. the whole idea of the temple. But nonetheless, so that's where we kind of started this whole thing. And then these dates, there are time frames you need to keep in mind, 1,260 days, three and a half years, time, times, and half time, or 42 months. Those are all the same. If you calculate those out, they're all the same number, just said in different words. Okay. So he's going to rule for three and a half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. And... Um, in Daniel 7, 33 through 8, 17 through 27, um, Daniel is basically giving a history lesson. Um, well, the angel is giving a history lesson to Daniel. And he's talking about kingdoms that will occur on the earth. Okay. And what I've highlighted up there is there's going to be four beasts. And one's like a lion. One's like a bear, jumping down. Another's like a leopard. Okay, so remember that, lion, bear, leopard. Okay. And, these, and basically, the lion is Babylon. If you, you know, go back and look at other references, the first kingdom would be Babylon. The second kingdom, who conquered Babylon? The Persians. So the bear is Persia. Persia was conquered by the Greeks, and so that's the leopard. Okay? So those three, king, those three kingdoms are there. And then there's a fourth kingdom, and um, that's what, what Daniel is really concerned about. You know, it says on, or let's see, we're going to find, after my vision of the night, I looked, and there for me was a, was, before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening, very powerful, large iron teeth, crushed, um, had ten horns. So they have this fourth beast, not identified as to who it is. Okay. Obviously, the, the kingdom that will come after Greece would be Rome. Okay. So this could be the Roman kingdom, but if you read on, it, it appears that this kingdom is not Rome at all, but a, a type of Rome that's a future kingdom. Okay? So the four great uh, rise on the earth. Uh, verse 18, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. 
So the ending line of that is all these kingdoms are going to come, but in the end, the saints are going to inherit the kingdom. Okay? And who are the saints? That's us. All right. Okay. Questions? Okay, so these earthly rulers at some point in the future are going to cease. And the, inherit, the kingdom will be turned over to Christ. Christ will turn the kingdom over to his Father. And we will inherit that kingdom. Okay. So Daniel is concerned about this last beast. He doesn't, he's not too concerned about two of the others. Um, and it says here, uh, it talks about it in verse 20. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up. Horns are usually referring to as crowns or rulers. And so we have this, this ruler coming up, uh, a horn that looked more imposing than others and an eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully as I watched this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the ancient of days pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came when they will possess the kingdom. Yes, Karen. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. So this, this line where it says the, the saints will inherit the kingdom, basically this last line in verse 21, that's what it terminates with. So the events that are occurring here are going prior to that inheriting the kingdom. All right? So we have this ruler who's speaking boastfully, waging war against the saints until his uh, God, the Ancient of Days, which would be God the Father, pronounces judgment on him, and that's the end of his life. And we looked at that a little bit last time. Okay. So if you looked on down into verse 23, uh, he's, this is now basically an explanation by the angel of what is being said in the previous verse. And the key I want you, what I want you to see here is he, in verse 25, he will speak against the Most High, he will oppress the saints, he will try to change set times and laws. And the saints will be handed over him for time, times, and a half time. So there's one of those markers we talked about that's talking about 1,260 years. So it's a, it's, a, it's a future time, or at least it's this time that's associated with the beast or with the Antichrist, with he. Okay? Three and a half years. All right. Any questions? That makes sense. Uh, so this is just a kind of reiteration of this one. Yes. So the saints that are being attacked and yeah. given to the beast. Yes. That people before the bolt of wrath and before the saints appear. It's it's actually probably going at the same time. If you look at that last three and a half year period, there's going to be two major events going on during that period. One, the beast with all his wrath empowered by Satan. And then there's going to be the wrath of God being poured out on an unsaved world. Okay, and the bolts of wrath are not meant for God's children. Correct. In the Correct. Yes. Yeah, so the wrath of God is designed for the unsaved of the earth. But Satan is ticked with the church, Israel, anything that God has built. Make sense? 
Good. Okay. All right. Okay, Revelation 13, 1 through 6. We looked at this last time as well. This is uh, basically how the beast is empowered. Uh, the dragon stood on the sword of the sea. The dragon is Satan. Okay. The sea is basically humanity or, whoops, just a second here. Okay. Um, if you notice in verse 2, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, had feet like a bear, a mouth like a lion. And we saw those previously in the verse in Daniel. Okay. So this beast is going to encompass all of the, you might say, secular ruling kingdoms of the earth up to that time. So he's going to have some of the properties of the Babylonians, some of the properties of the Persians, some of the properties of the Greeks, Rome, the whole thing. Okay, so we can encompass um, secular rulership. Okay. So we have this beast, which is probably a kingdom, but the dragon gave his, his authority and his throne to that kingdom. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have been have a fatal rune, but the fatal rune was healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. And now we're looking at an individual, a ruler, who has done some astonishing things because of Satan's power, and the people now are following the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Okay. So these who are worshiping and following the beast are who? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Yeah. Okay. Beast is given, okay, so he's going to, and again, the beast was given a mouth to utter words, blasphemies, and exercise authority for 42 months. 42 months, three and a half years, time, times, and a half time. So all of these scriptures here are dealing with this one who's a future ruler. The king, the beast, the man of lawlessness, the man doomed to destruction, he, all those various names, called Antichrist sometimes. Antichrist simply means against Christ, and anything against Christ is an Antichrist. So there are Antichrists in the world at the present time. Okay, okay questions make sense? Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. We looked at that in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay. Remember, we talked about that last time as well. The Thessalonians were concerned that they'd miss the day of the Lord. And the, and the reason that's important to believers is in the day of the Lord, we will be caught up to be with him. So they thought they'd missed it, and Paul is saying, no, 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 he didn't miss it. The day of the Lord will not occur until, and he gives them two markers. The first marker is the rebellion will occur, or the apostasy will occur. The second marker is, and the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Okay, those are two markers. Okay. So this man of lawlessness, if we start out back in Daniel, he's ruling for seven years, Okay. In the first three and a half years, he's going to do some incredible things. At least it appears that he is. 
in the middle of that time frame is when Satan is going to, if you will, enter into him, empower him, and he's going to become a totally different guy. And that's when he's going to start doing all of the stuff that this ruler is doing. Okay. So up until that, you're not going to know who he is, but then he's going to be revealed. Okay. Yes? Correct. The day of the Lord will not come until these two things have to occur. Yes. And within that period of time, within that first three and a half years of the seven, I think we're going to see the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem because he needs a temple. So he's going to bring peace to the Middle East, which nobody has been able to do, but he is going to do that. Because otherwise, how are the Jews going to build their temple? The Temple Mount is occupied, remember we talked about this last time, of two major uh, Islamic mosques. And Islam and, and Israel don't get along real well today. And to say, hey, uh, we want to build a temple up here by your mosques. Uh, the likelihood is to say, uh, no. Um, but somehow he's going he's gonna to engineer this so that that happens. And the only reason I'm saying that is because he needs a temple. There will be a temple present in the middle of that three and a half year period because he's going to do some things in that temple and it has to be the temple of Israel, the temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Okay. Any other questions? Making sense? What's that? It has to be that temple because, number one, Jerusalem is the center of all things. If you look at the Bible, the focus of the Bible is on Israel, the temple, and Jerusalem. Those three things. And he's going to exercise his authority from, okay, what was the, what was the significance of the temple? Authority. authority, what else? God's presence dwelt in the temple. Remember, that was, that was where he was going to dwell amongst his people. His people are the apple of his eye. Jerusalem is his focused city. So those are very important to God. Okay. So the beast is going to, in the attempt to destroy what God has made, is going to try to occupy Jerusalem, the temple. He's going to rule from the temple. Daniel says he will set up an abomination to cause a desolation in the wing of the temple. He'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. We're going to look at this man named Antiochus, and that's going to give you, I think, some more, um, a better picture of what's going to happen. Okay, so hang on to that just a second. So here's this verse of Repist in, in Thessalonians. There's your two markers. Until a rebellion occurs, some versions use apostasy, some of your versions use falling away, and then the man of lawlessness is revealed. Okay, so those two things will precede the day of the Lord. Okay, and there's nothing that says how long they will precede it. Okay, scripture says we don't know the day or the hour, only God knows that. That's true. Okay, but we will know the season. Okay, all right. So here's Antiochus Epiphanes, and we're going to look at him. What I want you to, to look at as we look at this man is thinking about he is what the Antichrist will be. He's a historic figure. He's lived. He's dead. 
But he did exactly what the Antichrist will do. And you say, well, how do we know that the two are not the same? And that's what we're going to look at is how we know that. Okay. All right, so uh, again, we're back in Daniel. Um, and we've got some more kings again. We've got a ram with two horns. And then we've got a goat. Okay. Uh, the ram, again, is Medo-Persia. Medo, the Medes and the Persians, two kingdoms. That's why the two horns. Okay. And then the goat is... Greece. First king is Alexander the Great. So we start, he has a, a large horn, there was in bold print, broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns. So what's going to happen in Greek is Alexander the Great, who's going to live for, it's about 30 years, he's going to die, and he's going to turn his kingdom over to his four generals, one of which is Seleucus. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's see. So now we're going to, after those kingdoms, out of them came another horn. Out of them, meaning the previous two kingdoms. Okay, so Persia conquered by the Greeks, and out of the Greeks come the four rulers, four kings, and out of those four is going to come one ruler. Okay, and he's going to, verse 9, came out of the other horn, which started small but grew in power to the south, and to the east, and towards the beautiful land. Beautiful land being Israel. Okay. Um, let's see how far we want to go with that. Uh, reading on, it grew until it reached the host of heavens, and threw some of the starry hosts down to earth, and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and placed the sanctuary was brought low. So he's putting an end to uh, sacrifice and to bring the sanctuary low is to defile it. Okay. He prospered in everything he did. Uh, let's jump down to verse 14. They had, or actually 13. Daniel asks, how long will this be? And the answer the angel gives him, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Divide that in half, 1,150 days. Okay. Uh, Daniel, chapter 8, verse 14. Okay. So we're given a number here, which, you know, think about the four numbers we've looked at previously. Time, times and a half, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. And now we have 1,150 days. So this guy is ruling for a different time than the beast, first of all. So that's one piece of evidence that says it's probably not the same guy. Okay, make sense? Okay, um, Okay. so if you jump down to verse 20, um, this is now the same pattern. In, in Daniel's prophecies, there will be a vision, and usually there will be an interpretation that follows. So vision, interpretation. The vision always involves goats and rams and leopards and all kinds of things. But nonetheless, the interpretation begins in verse 20. It says the two-horned ram was Medo-Persia. The goat was the king of Greece, which would be Alexander, and he's named. Um, the four horns were replaced by one, which was broken off. 
to represent the kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. And then we go down into verse 23, and we, it talks about this one who's going to rule. And he's a stern-faced, master of intrigue. Uh, he's going to become strong, but not by his own power. He's going to cause astounding devastation. He's going to succeed in what he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many. Okay. So as a man who basically, if you just read that and think about what it's saying, he's a ruthless, conniving, deceptive person. In fact, there's one scripture that says he rises to power not because he deserved it, but because of his deceit, because of his uh, snakiness, you might say. Okay. okay, so this is a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. He's going to rule in Jerusalem, ultimately. Questions so far making sense? Okay. Daniel 11 talks about the same guy. He will exceed by, he will be succeeded by a contemptible person who has not been given the honor of royalty. This is talking about Antiochus. So he's not, he should not have become a king, but he is. He does. Because he's a sneaky guy. Uh, verse 22, then an over, uh, let's see, we're going to, yeah. Then an overwhelming army will be swept away before him, both in it both it and a prince of the covenant will be destroyed after coming to an agreement with him, he will act deceitfully. So he's going to make an agreement, basically, with the people of Israel, and then he's going to act deceitfully. He's not going to hold to his word. So he's not a nice guy. Okay. Uh, if you jump down to verse 31, his armed forces will arise Desecrate the temple fortress and abolish the daily sacrifice, and he'll set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flatter, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. So we have two groups here. We have people who know their God who will resist him, and then we have the other group who, have been cor who ha he has corrupted, and they have violated the covenant, which means what? What have they done? They've turned aside from the worship of Israel and adopted his religion. Okay. So this is a group, modern word would be, they have undergone apostasy or they've turned away. So we have two groups, an apostate group and a group who's faithful to the covenant. Okay. And then we have this man. It says, until the rebellion... Apostasy falling away. So that falling away could be, it's going to be the nation of Israel for sure. It could be people in the church who fall away in a sense that they've gone to church all their life, but they never have a relationship with Christ. Hard times come, I'm out of here. Kind of thing. So you're going, to have, you're going to have two groups, the true believers, both in Israel and the church, and you might say the fake believers in Israel and the church. And those fakes are going to fall away. 
There's a, there's a set of books which aren't in your Bibles called the Apocrypha. And we're going to look at two books in the Apocrypha, and the reason being is they're historical. And they deal with a period of time where Antiochus ruled. Okay? First and second Maccabees are the books. Um, the Maccabees were a family who actually stood up and fought against Antiochus and were responsible primarily for driving him out of the country. Okay. So these passages are going to deal with um, the man Antiochus, and the first up there in blue kind of gives you his history. We've got Alexander, who's Alexander the Great. Um, verse 5, after he fell sick, he perceived that he was dying, so he summoned his most honored officers, that's where he turns over the kingdom to his four generals. Okay. Verse 10, From them came forth a sinful root, Antiochus Epiphanes, son of Antiochus. He began to reign in the 137th year of the kingdom of the Greeks. problem with these dates is it's relative to the Greek kingdom. So it has nothing to do with B.C. or A.D. It's simply saying the Greek kingdom has been in existence for 137 years, that's when he begins to reign. Okay? Um, verse 20, he's going to, re he's, uh, after subduing Egypt, Antiochus returned in the 143rd year, he went up against Jerusalem, came to Jerusalem with a strong force. He entered the sanctuary and basically looted it. If you read through those scriptures there, it's what's going on. Two years later, he comes back and what we need to look at there is the king sent to the cities of Judah, the chief tax collector of tribute. He came to Jerusalem with a large force. Deceitfully, he spoke peaceful words to them, and they believed him. But he suddenly fell upon the city, severe blow, and destroyed them. Okay, this, this shows you his mindset. He has no regard for truth. Whatever it takes... To get what he wants is what he's going to do. So he deceived the purple people and basically then killed them. Okay. What I want you to think about as we're looking at this guy is this is what the beast will be like. This is his type. Okay. Moving on uh, through that uh, apocryphal book. Um, verse 41, Then the king wrote, a whole, wrote his whole kingdom that they should be one people and that all should give up their particular customs. All the Gentiles accepted the command of the king. This is what's called Hellenization. This is what the Greeks did. They'd come in and they would convert the kingdom to be Greece. And everybody would have to worship as the Greeks worship. They'd worship their gods, do their practices. If you look there in verse 44, and the king sent letters and messengers to, oh, I'm sorry, many even from Israel gladly adopted his religion. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbaths. Apostasy, falling away, rebellion. Okay. Um, verse 44, the king sent letters and messengers to Jerusalem. Uh, if you know, read through that, he's going to forbid offerings and sacrifices the sanctuary, he's going to profane the Sabbaths and festivals, he's going to defy the, defile the sanctuary and priests, 
build altars and shrines and idols, sacrifice swine and unclean animals, uh, tell the Jews they have to leave their sons uncircumcised. Um, They were to make themselves abominable by everything unclean and profane so they would forget the law and change all the ordinance. Whoever does not this will surely die. So this is what he's going to do. He's going to basically take the religion of Israel and say, you can't do it. You have to do these things and it will make them... um, Uh, what's the word? It's going to profane them. Okay. Verse 54, what we have here is the end of the battle. Between that, there's a battle going on. But in the 145th year, um, they erected, uh, they, took, they basically destroyed the burnt offering and offered incense at the doors of houses. Okay. Anyone who possessed the Book of the Covenant or anyone who adhered to the law was condemned the decree of the king. Okay. So this is what's going on. Jump ahead, one more slide. Chapter 4 basically talks about, or between that and the previous chapter, is going to talk about the battles between the Maccabees and the Epiphanes, and he's going to be driven out early in the morning, the 25th day of the ninth month, which is the month of Chislev, in 148th year, again, reference to the Greeks. They rose and offered sacrifice as the law directs on new altars, burnt offerings, and built at every season and on every day that the Gentiles had profaned it, it was dedicated with songs, harps, lutes, and cymbals. So what's going to happen is the Maccabees are going to basically drive Antiochus out of Jerusalem. They're then going to clean up the sanctuary, rebuild the altar, get rid of everything that Antiochus had put in the sanctuary, and begin worship again. Uh, verse 6 says, they celebrated for eight days, rejoicing in a manner of the festival of booze. And I want you to kind of tuck that in the back of your brain because we're going to see that a little later on. So if you go back to your, your timesheet there, the very first page of the handout, this period is where uh, in 148 B.C. is when the the temple was rededicated. The Jews now celebrate Hanukkah in response to that. It is a remembrance of this event that occurred. Okay. okay. Let's look at a summary here. Okay, so this is kind of a summary sheet of these several slides. Um, Basically, the top is just showing how you make the calculations as far as uh, how long the temple would be desecrated, and it's 1,150 days or three years, years, 70 days. Um, 
The temple was built by, in the book of Ezra by Zerubbabel in 516. It was desecrated by Antiochus in 143, in the 143rd years of the 168 B.C. It was rededicated in 165 B.C. Uh, Herod rebuilt it in 20 to, to 19 B.C. Jesus cleansed it. Remember when he came in and threw out all the tax collectors in 33 A.D.? And it was destroyed by Titus in 70 A.D. So this is, this is the same temple. Okay. So the temple that was built in the book of Ezra is destroyed by Titus in 70 A.D. Okay, make sense so far? Yes? Uh, no. This one, this one you didn't get, right. Okay. Okay, so if I compare Antiochus to the beast, that's what these two charts are doing here. Antiochus forbid offering, he desecrated the temple, he ended Sabbath, he caused Israel to abandon their religion, at least some. Uh, he will be strong, but not in his own power. Sorry about that. Not in his own power. He's going to rule by deceit. He's going to rule for 1,150 days. Eventually, he's going to be removed. Later, he's going to die. The temple is going to be cleansed, dedicated after the desecration, and they celebrate in the manner of the Feast of Booths. That's kind of just a summary of all those. If you look at the beast... He's going to end sacrifice and offering. He's going to desecrate the temple. He's going to end Sabbath, probably, or likely. He's going to cause man in Israel to abandon their religion. And that's there in Thessalonians. He will be strong, but not by his own power. Remember, Satan's going to empower him. Satan probably also empowered Antiochus, you'll guess. Uh, he's going to rule by deceit, just like his predecessor. He's going to rule for 1,260 days, not 1,150 He's going to be destroyed. The temple is going to be cleansed after its desecration, probably. And festival of booze. We're going to come back to that. Okay, so Antiochus Epiphanes did all that the beast will do. Make sense? Okay. All right. This is our modern era where we are now. Uh, war, terrorism, environmental disaster, global warming, disease, famine, inflation, lack of peace, earthquakes, tsunamis, corruption, the list goes on. And these two scriptures, basically, Jesus is telling us that this is what's going to happen. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, uh, earthquakes, um, So what we are in now is what Jesus has said we will be in, and it's going to get worse. Okay. And if you think about just your own life, you know, it's all blamed on global warming, but nonetheless, it's simply the events that have been prophesied to occur. All right. Okay, so this would be in your handout. Okay. So this is Daniel's finding seven years. So this is sometime in the future. Commencing with this man coming to power. 
He's going to make a covenant between the political leaders, very likely, and he's going to bring peace to the Middle East, very likely. The Jews are going to build their temple, and they'll begin sacrifice and offering again. Okay. This is the beginning of Daniel's last seven years. Okay. Three and a half years in the middle, he's going to, Satan is going to be cast out of heaven. Remember, that war in heaven between Michael and his angels and Satan and his angels. Satan loses. Up until then, where's Satan? He's in heaven accusing the saints. So he's going to be cast out of heaven. He's going to give his power to the beast, the man of lawlessness. And that's basically what's there in Thessalonians. Where we talk, looked at the false prophet last time as well. So the false prophet is going to come on the scene, Revelation 13. A Jewish sacrifice and offering will, be cease, will cease. He's going to set up an image in the temple. Daniel, Matthew, Revelation all talk about that. He's going to make war against the saints and Israel. And the mark of the beast, the world believes a lie. So the world is going to receive the mark. They're going to see this guy as wondrous. And they can't believe it. And so they're going to worship him. In fact, if you look in Thessalonians, in Thessalonians chapter 2, um, Paul says that God will send them a strong delusion. So those who have not accepted Christ at that time will get a delusion from God to believe the lie and refuse the truth. And they will believe this man and then go to destruction. If you look throughout the book of Revelation and you look at the plagues that are part of the wrath of God, you don't see anybody repenting. It all says, you know, they they screamed and yelled, hid themselves, burned by boils, but yet they refused for it to repent, in fact, they curse God. Okay. So throughout the book of Revelation, you see nobody within the Gentile community being saved. Okay. So it's like the scripture says, now is the day of salvation. There will, become a po- there will be a point when God is going to change his focus. Remember, if you think about historically, God was focused on the nation of Israel. And in the New Testament, what happened? Paul took the gospel to the Jews and they rejected him after rejecting Christ, of course. And God's focus then shifted from Israel to the Gentiles. And we're now in the time, the period of the Gentiles, where the focus of God is on the salvation of the Gentiles, but ultimately the focus is going to switch back to Israel. Um, Okay, so the last three and a half years, wrath of Satan against the saints, wrath of the Lamb is exercised against a sinful, unbelieving world. That's the day of the Lord. It's the end of the time of the Gentiles, beginning of the God dealing with the nation of Israel. Somewhere in there, the rapture of the church will occur. And we talked about that last time as well. Jesus will return at the end and stand on the Mount of Olives and there's going to be a huge battle at the end of the seven years between Satan and the armies of the unbelieving world and basically Christ and his army. End of the seven years, Israel will be purified as 
It says in Daniel 9.24, The beast and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years, away from the realm of men. And so then, at that point, we move into the millennium, the last thousand years, which is found in, in Revelation chapter 20. So if you want to turn to that, actually. So in, uh, how much time do I have? I've got a little bit yet. So the end of that, okay, at the end of that thousand year reign, Satan is going to be released. There's going to be a final battle at Jerusalem. Satan is going to be cast in a lake of fire. The white, then following that will be the white throne, what's called the white throne judgment. All the dead uh, who are not in Christ. So it says the sea will give up his dead. Everybody's giving up their dead. These are unsaved people who will be brought before the white throne and judged. Death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. The unrighteous will be cast into the lake of fire. And then we go into eternity. So between this judgment, if you notice death and Hades is still present up until the very end of the last judgment. So during the millennium, death is still present. People still die. Okay, so here's a scripture in, in Revelation that basically talks about the millennium, and we get Satan being bound for a thousand years to keep him from deceiving the nations anywhere anymore until the thousand years have ended. When the thousand years are over, verse seven, Satan will be released from prison and will go and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Between Satan being bound, Satan being released, is that middle section, which basically is the rule of Christ. Christ is going to rule. He's going to judge. And it says there in verse, um, must be two. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received his mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years had ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who are part of the first resurrection. Okay. So the first resurrection is what? Who's being resurrected? Anybody who has died for Christ. Okay. This would be for all time. Remember that past picture in, in Revelation where the souls are under the altar crying out how long, how long and his answer is until the number of your fellow brethren is achieved okay. so there's going to be a resurrection or a resurrection of the dead and then there's another group which is those who are alive when Christ returns and they will be captured up. Remember, that whole passage in, in Thessalonians talks about the Thessalonians in, in Thess 1 Thessalonians 2 were concerned about those who died in Christ. They have two concerns. One, they missed the day of the Lord. Paul took care of that. Second is they're concerned about those who've died in Christ. What's going to happen to them? And he says, don't worry about it. The dead in Christ will be caught up first you will not precede them. So they'll be caught up, and they're going to meet the Lord in the air, and 1 Corinthians 15 tells us they'll be transformed 
in the twinkling of an eye into basically eternal, immortal bodies. And then it says, we who are alive will then follow them and likewise receive eternal, immortal bodies. And that's commonly what's called the rapture. That's going to occur sometime during that last three and a half year period. So these who are in the first resurrection have to be part of that group who were resurrected. If you're alive, you're not resurrected, you're simply caught up. If you're dead, you're resurrected. Remember, resurrection involves coming out of the ground or coming out of being dead and bodily arising. It's not a spiritual arising, it's a bodily arising. So the spirit will be reunited with a new body, according to 1 Corinthians. Body that's immortal, incorruptible, without sin. What time do I have to quit? Is that about right? Five minutes? Okay. Huh? <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll have to stop there. Uh, That's where we'll start next time, is what's going to happen during the millennium? And we're going to look at the rule of Christ, what it looks like, We're going to look at the others who are going to rule, which is basically the church. We're going to look at who is being ruled. We're going to look at Israel, what's going to happen to them during the millennium. We're going to look at, well, that's Israel again. We're going to look at the nations, what's happening to them during the millennium. And we're going to look at what the millennium is like. Okay. And we're going to look at worship and sacrifice in Jerusalem during the millennium. That's a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the millennium, it's, it's, it's a lot going on. And one thing you have to think about, especially as far as the nation of Israel, if you look at the Old Testament, God made promises to Israel. Lots of them. You know, and then when Christ came, they looked at him and said, this can't be it. He doesn't match our perception of what God has promised. He promised them to rule. He promised them to return to their land. He promised them peace. He promised them a lot of things. We'll look at that next time. And so he rejected Christ because he didn't fit their preconception of what God had promised. During the millennium, those promises are going to be fulfilled. God does not make promises he doesn't fulfill. He made promises to the nation, to the nation of Egypt. He's going to fulfill those promises. Okay. So these promises that are made in the Old Testament haven't been fulfilled yet, are not fulfilled during the last seven years, will be fulfilled during the millennium. Okay. So that's where we'll go next time, is we're going to actually look at the millennium and see what's going, going to happen. Remember, this is future. And ultimately look at that final battle and eternity. And there's not much on eternity <laughs> Okay, thank you.